everyone and welcome to battle of the atom <laughs> where i zach jenkins and my co-host adam wreck hey, go through different x-men stories three of them in fact every single week and then we talk about them and put them on our list of every x-men story ever from best to worst now adam how are you doing this evening i'm doing great man i'm ready to jump in we've got some very cool stuff to talk about this episode we do have some very cool stuff to talk about this episode that is a true statement (laughs) now the first cool thing we have to talk about is the first cool thing we have to talk about because of one man and that man is max dwick he is a patreon supporter and he wanted to talk about the first appearance of the unstoppable indestructible inconceivable juggernaut i believe the cover refers to him as the almost indescribable menace of the juggernauts it's almost indescribable but damn it if stanley's not gonna try he's gonna do it he's gonna throw in those adjectives right one pitch for uh, max just because i know him outside of this he writes for marvel tldr which if you haven't heard of it it is a web series that marvel entertainment puts out uh where they described stories in like two minutes and have like funny art and jokes it's good i like it go go watch the weapon x one it's really funny we'll link to it in the as mentioned i will make a note to do that that'd be great t-o-d-r i'll link to that that's the t-o-d-r for t-o-d-r but that's not the t-o-d-r for that first story with the juggernaut now we specify which issues this is Yes, we are going to have to because somebody, me, didn't specify that. And then someone else, you, didn't read both issues. I just read half of this. I apologize. It's okay. (laughs) It's perfectly fine. The second one we're covering is really long. (laughs) It is a Silver Age book and Stan Lee does like words. Oh, it's great. No, but these are issues 12 and 13 of X-Men Volume 1 from 1965, written by Stan Lee with pencils by or not pencils i'm sorry this was with layouts by jack kirby finishes by alex tooth inks by vince coletta and uh i don't know who did the colors it doesn't say it doesn't say on anything it does not say no it doesn't yeah oh wait no it says it says kibitzing which i assume is yiddish for coloring by the whole blamed bullpen kibitzing is like just chatting though isn't it i don't know i feel like i i don't speak yiddish let's say uh not that i speak yiddish i just i feel like i use that occasionally and max max is jewish so he's really going to appreciate us talking about yiddish stuff instead of the juggernaut i'm sure max (laughs) max let us know what uh kibitzing is or if it's actually yiddish and we're you know making stuff up uh yeah anyway right the juggernaut this story is kind of a twofold story. One, it's the origin of Professor X. And two, it's the first battle with the Juggernaut. And the first team up with uh, the Fantastic Four member, the Human Torch. Who's just in it. He is just in it. 
no one let no one tell you that 12 cents didn't buy you a lot of comics back in the 60s that's right <laughs> so uh since you only read the first issue of this adam what what are your thoughts on number 12 the origin of professor x uh, I, we were just talking about this before we started recording and I feel like this is almost like an Edgar Allan Poe story, you know, like there's this relentless force that's going to come and, and it's going to be malevolent and it's going to destroy you. So we've got to stop. But along the way, you know, we've got a lot of juicy tidbits about the, the backstory of that character and our, you know, our beloved professor X. Um, well, I don't know how beloved he is really. Um, okay, look, based on this, Professor X is a horrible leader and he should be dead <laughs> because he's like, our defenses are falling. That's fine, children. But first, let me tell you my life story. Yeah. Let, let me take another uh, 10 minutes to uh, describe what happened during these several years as our perimeter has just been <laughs> crossed over. Um, I just find going back to Silver Age uh, X-Men just such a weird almost like out of body experience to see things like Cerebro is a desktop console that, that screams really loudly. Yes. Um, to see uh, them have to do an impromptu defense system of, uh, this is not an exaggeration, grenades in logs. Um, <laughs> but they had to hollow out the logs. The logs weren't even hollowed out and ready. That's that right. was part of the, if you're going to have logs as part of your defense, have the logs in a workable form. Do not have to do woodwork as part of your defense. Right. Have the woodwork pre-done. Um, that being said, I think the backstory of, of uh, you know, Marco and all of the, the, the stuff that happens with that, it, it's it's fun. You know, there, there's a real um, Silver age weirdness um to the whole thing it, it reads more like a, a traditional sci-fi comic than anything else and uh you know professor x gets to kind of be just about everything here you know i love that he's this uh football star <laughs> with okay, all the trophies you love that? because <laughs> i i said that i looked at it as like okay stan you're 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 stretching this I, i'm i'm being quite sarcastic here i i'm okay. i'm saying i love it because as i read it i'm laughing out loud going wait what uh we're not a, you know i'm a football hero i'm a war hero it, it's almost as if xavier is making this up as he goes along um you know and well, then, we, then we happened upon the 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 Sidorak crystal and it's like wait what <laughs> which everyone knows about the Chris the crimson gem of Sidorak everyone serving in Korea knows about the crimson gem of Sidorak obviously it's just chilling you know it's there for the taking um, oh my gosh you know so it's it's very very silly um so maybe you want to just detail what happens when he actually gets there <laughs> uh he becomes a human juggernaut yeah he becomes the unstoppable juggernaut a force of pure unstoppable rage yeah. powered by Sidorak Mm-hmm. Which one thing one thing I do want to kind of point out is in this entire issue twelve, the entire lead up to it, it's completely and totally hidden. Like the Juggernaut isn't cleanly seen until the very last panel. Yeah, it's just and, shown in shadow. Yeah, as as cheesy and as not amazing as some of this issue is, that entire time that overwhelming sense of dread, exactly like you were saying, they build that up real well. Sure. And that is Kirby's art. Mm-hmm. Well, Kirby's, you know, layouts and his ideas for it. And Stan's dialogue, he knows when to pull back in times like that, which is actually impressive because he's not known for restraint. Love him, love him to death. Stan's not known for being the most held back dude. No, not at all. Right. Not at all. Uh, but yeah, when, when Juggernaut finally breaks through all of the X-Men's puny defenses... 
they have a battle, which immediately starts with them bla- with Cyclops, you know, using his optic blasts to tunnel a hole for the Juggernaut to fall into, just to buy them more time. As the Juggernaut climbs up the hole, behind, underground behind Cyclops, and then flips him over, and we see this from a freaking cross-section view of what's happening, and it's hilarious. Well done, Juggernaut. Well done. Well done, indeed. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> Professor X sends out a psychic greeting to, let's see, the teen, brig- teen Brigade, led by the one, the only, the worst, Rick Jones. <laughs> teen br- Rick uh, Jones sucks. The eternal They're, sidekick. Oh, he's bad. Uh, Daredevil hears it and decides, man, if not for this trial, I would go be Daredevil, <laughs> which doesn't feel that much like an ad, but it's an ad for Daredevil. And, yeah, it just it keeps going until Johnny Storm shows up and doesn't really do much. He, fly, he he literally, literally flies around in circles around Juggernaut for a while until Angel can pick up his helmet. And okay. then, standard Juggernaut, I'm going to use my mind to stop you, Juggernaut. But then it ends with this weird thing where all the X-Men are relaxing in the infirmary. And they said, you know, we've never all been injured in the same place before, but who cares? With a nurse like Jean, it's a pleasure. Oof. My mother used to kiss me to expedite my recovery. I was Jean going just... to, yeah, I was going to ask, having just read the first half of this, you know, Jean is so utterly useless in issue 12. Well, you know, that the treatment of this character is so awful. See, Cyclops was the leader. Bobby was the jokester. Beast was the smart guy. Warren was the rich guy. And Jean was the girl. And that's all she was. Oh. Silver Age Jean is bad. Luckily, all of other Jean is good. (laughs) Yeah. And luckily, uh, Dennis Hopeless's season one exists so that, you know, she can actually uh, have some, some depth and some substance. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's kind of why I love Teen Jean that we're getting right now in the comics. Like, I know people hate Teen Jean. Uh, you guys are wrong. Teen Jean's great. She's the best of the 05. That, that series is awesome. Yeah. Uh, ugh, I love Teen Jean, but she's not in this well. Now, we, we've talked about it. We do not have the current Teen Jean series. But where do you think that X-Men 12 through 13, the first Juggernaut one, would really go? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it, this is it's a novelty, right? I mean, it's like, okay. All of all of Silver Age X-Men is kind of a novelty. Yeah. I, I, it sets up, you know, a basic framework that these characters exist. Um, but, you know, am I going to revisit this? Probably not. Um, no. However... Like However, there is some skill in in the way that it's executed. Um, I I enjoyed reading it. So I think it has to go at the very least above New Mutant Summer Special. Um, I I think that's true. um, So I guess, I don't know. Is is this better than No More More Humans? Uh, I, I think it's better than No More Humans. I actually think it's better than Deadly Genesis. And let me tell you why. Because I've thought a lot about this. Okay. Silver Age X-Men is not great. Like, there's a reason that the X-Men were not big Marvel characters until Wolverines and Storms showed up. Not that the characters are bad, because Silver Age X-Men is chock full of amazing ideas. The Juggernaut is great. Mm -hmm. The original X-Men, like, four out of five of them are great. 
Uh, Magneto is great. The Sentinels are great. All of these ideas came from Silver Age X-Men. And specifically in this story, it has a lot of good ideas. Sure. They aren't particularly well executed. And the fact that this is Kirby only doing, you know, layouts and not the full art, you don't even get that King Kirby boost. No. No. However, I do think the ideas presented in this story are better than the ideas presented in Deadly Genesis, and I would rather read this than Deadly Genesis. All right, so we're going to put it at number nine? I think I think that's a good spot for it. Right. I think X-Men 12 through 13, the first appearance of the almost indescribable Juggernaut, can be a good number nine for now. Yeah, that works great. Now we have another story to add to the list, which is a bit more recent. This story more substantial as well. (laughs) It is a bit more substantial. This is this is this is some story. So this is Uncanny X Force, eight through nineteen, the Dark Angel Saga. I do want to point out that we are making a special exception for issue nine of this series, which is the issue where Magneto tells Wolverine to go kill this Nazi guy that was a jerk to him back in Nazi times, Mm -hmm. which. I don't know how relevant this is going to be when this comes out. Uh, it's relevant for today. Nazis are all bad guys. We're, we're If you're listening to this podcast, that's the official stance. I think, Adam, I can speak for both of us there, right? I think we should be, you know, basically speaking for all of America. Uh, there's really no question about that. So, um, sadly, you know, the highest person of power. I don't know how political we want to get here. <laughs> I don't think we want to get, like, incredibly political. I just want to point out that Nazis... Not great. I'm okay if Wolverine kills a Nazi. Yes, please. But that's not, that's specifically not what we're talking about here. Oh, yeah, we could. That is, of all the stories that you could talk about in Dark Angel Saga, that's not it. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about that time that Warren Worthington got possessed by the Death Seed and turned into Apocalypse. So then the X-Force secret guys had to go into the Age of Apocalypse to find a Celestial Life Seed. And then they had to come back to find out that they were double-crossed by Dark Beast from the Age of Apocalypse who had moved into the regular uh, 616 continuity. And then... Warren burrows up an entire town and turns it into a new, better Savage Land, and then tries to terraform the entire world. And then Genesis, er, Genesis shows up, who is the clone of Apocalypse from earlier, and beats him up. And then everyone beats him up. And then Betsy shows him a beautiful image of his entire life together with her. And then she stabs him in the heart with the life seed, uh, death seed, one one of the seeds, and he dies. And then gets reborn as a bad version of Angel. Did you just do that from memory? Honestly, yeah. No way. Yeah, one. I like this story a lot. It's wow. it's some good good stuff. Uncanny X Force is like well, probably the best X Men story since uh, like run X front to back X Men run probably the best since Whedon's Astonishing. I don't think that's that controversial of a of an opinion. It's very good. It's <laughs> very good for a variety of reasons. Um, I think Remender is at his best when he gets to play around with the alternate reality, you know, crossover stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. Another huge favorite of mine of his, uh, which is X-Men related is um, I think the trade is not called planet X, but it's the uncanny Avengers um, sequence where they're fighting uh, Kang. Um, What the heck is it called? Um, I think planet X is right. It's the, it's the end of the good parts of his Uncanny Avengers run. 
Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's a very mixed bag throughout. I'm not really a fan it's, of. It starts real that. bad. It ends real real bad. The whole middle part's great. Oh yeah, but I think like that's what he excels at when he's allowed to play with like the full palette of anything he wants and just cut loose and go nuts. It, right. it works so well. This is a great story. The art is outstanding. Um, I don't and know the, if we the art the be, teams. Yeah. yeah, the art on this is Billy Tan does the. Uh, lines and pencils. Uh, mm-hmm. Dean White and Paul Mounts do some of the colors. Mark Brooks and Scott Eaton do some pencils on some of the further issues with a lot of letters and colors. And then on the second half of this, because this is collected in two trades, which doesn't make it good for just quickly recapping everything. No. Uh, Jerome Pena and Asad Ribic do some art. Yep. And uh, Robbie <laughs> and Rodriguez Robbie... hops on at the end, which is yeah, which is great. That's that's some that's some good good creative teams. Yeah, like Opania is killing it. I mean, oh, and when I, they I come wanna, back, I don't want to talk anything negatively about Billy Tan's work because he's you know he's doing a great job. Um, everybody who works on this, it, it looks fantastic. But yeah. Opania is just killing it here. I mean, it is absolutely gorgeous. Every oh, single it page. is breathtaking. It is breathtaking. This is such a good thing. Like when he uh. When when Dark Angel goes with it's not ho- genocide, not Holocaust, because genocide's slightly better. Right. It's it's a less specific form of you know mass murder. <laughs> it's a, the more genteel uh, <laughs> oh, a descriptor, shall we say? Yeah, uh, it's it's not. That's a bad name. He should feel bad. But when he blows up that town, that whole sequence with Tabula Rasa. Oh, it's so good. Just everything about this comic. I I I think this is the highlight of his his Uncanny X-Force run. I think it does so much with the character of Psylocke. Mm-hmm. It gives her such a deep emotional connection to Warren and you can feel her pain in it. It lets you uh, really root for Deadpool in Phantom X. This was the first time that I actually liked a Deadpool story. I mean, and I want to say that, you know, with the context that I have not read a lot of Deadpool stories, but the, it's okay. A lot of X-Men fans feel this exact same way. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have anything against the character. It's just, you know, I have a lack of, uh, of, of context there, but you know, I'm reading this going, wow, I really kind of like the way this is being played off, uh, you know, as a comedy foil, um, the way Phantom X is used here is fantastic. And, um, this is to me the best use of that character. Um, there are a lot of other writers that don't get Phantom X and, you know, what happens with Phantom X after uncanny X-Force is very weird and does not work for me. Um, Um, the more uncanny X-Force. Yeah, that's, it's uh, hopeless or not hopeless Humphreys. Your run is not going to do well on this list. Um, yeah, that, that, that doesn't hold up to this. Um, but, uh, it, it works really well. The, the, the team dynamics work really well. The alternate reality jumping works really well. Um, Oh yeah. It's just, I mean, as it, obviously it's dark, but it's also very fun. Um, there's, there's it's a story that goes to age of freaking apocalypse. Yeah. Like and it plays Age of Apocalypse like ninety percent straight while still side eyeing and being like, Okay, all you guys in your weird face tattoos may need to chill out. <laughs> yeah. We know this I'm, is silly, but we're here and we're gonna take it seriously too. I say that as a huge Age of Apocalypse fan. 
I own all of Age of Apocalypse and floppies that I went into dollar boxes and found because I love it so much. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't hurt that a- AOA Logan is Apocalypse when they when they trip oh, over, right? Yeah, because that's that's great. It is so good because it continues the uh, it continues all of the uh, AOA stuff. It adds a weird foil to Logan to say, "Hey, dude, you know this secret Death Squad team of yours? Maybe not the best idea. Maybe you should rethink it. You could turn into this fascist monster, and we don't like fascist monsters ruling any sorts of countries or territories or anything." <laughs> yeah, it's on the but dead on. Yes, and that's based solely on this book and nothing else that's really happening in the world. Uh, cough, cough. So, t- comics aren't political, Adam. You know that. Oh, what art so, is? I mean, I mean, I've never seen a piece of art that's political. Right. So, uh, <laughs> be- <laughs> beyond that, uh, I think I think we we're both excited about this book. We both like it. I think I may be a little hotter on it than you. I, but... I really like it. I do think that the art is doing um, some of the heavy lifting here. I mean, I feel like if we put this in different artists' hands and it wasn't as as beautifully rendered, it may lose something. Um, I oh, feel yeah, like it, the art, it adds the art a great it. deal to it. Um, it. It's a beautiful story. I do think. I know you were you were talking about um, Psylocke having. Um, you know, a great arc here. And I, I don't disagree with that. I do think that there are some parts of the, that aspect of the story where she loses some agency um, and is sort of just a passive prisoner. Um, but it's hard to really uh, see that as a huge negative. It doesn't take away from the larger story because there's so much going on. Well, um, I, I, I think to that point, she is a passive prisoner for a small section of it, but the entire time when that happens, Psylocke's the one who, you know, finds her way out of it. Psylocke's the one who finds a resolution to all of this. Sure. Psylocke. Yeah, she's the hero. Yeah. She's she, the hero she of the really story. Is. And that, that's true for the whole Uncanny X-Force run, but it's especially true here. Yeah. So, and I think just before we put it on the list, I just, as a last nod here, I just want to say how versatile this story is because it does take things very seriously and ties mm-hmm. back to an earlier arc, but especially when, by the time we get to the end of this arc with the Robbie Rodriguez issue, there's a range here, you know, there's a humor to it. There's a lightness that doesn't feel, I mean, Deathlocks in this, right? This doesn't feel all that crazily different from what Jason Aaron is doing um, with Wolverine and the X-Men. Like it, it could exist within the same universe um, realistically. Right. Um, right. Despite well, how it, dark and, it is. And it, it really, you know, I think by Wolverine and the X-Men issue four mm-hmm. is right after the end of this. And that's where uh, Warren and uh, Evan Sabanur joined the school. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, they tied in close. Makes... I like this story a lot. I do, too. Where do you want to put it on the list? I like it more than Mutant Genesis. I'm going to say that. Mm. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw that out there. That's that's my as an individual, that is my perspective on the matter. I, uh, I'm going to go back to mutant Genesis more than I'm going to go back to dark angel. But I think if you look at it as its own thing, it's better than mutant Genesis. Um, you know, it's a much more involved, much more complicated. Um, I, I would say, you know, Jim Lee, you're amazing, but Opeña's work here is just outstanding. So, 
Yeah, I mean, look, it's I don't think it's an insult to say that, hey, Jerome Pena may have been doing some cooler stuff in certain scenarios than super 90s Jim Lee. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful book. Um, all right. So uh, is it better than Worst X-Men ever? I don't think so. Okay. But that's a really high bar. All right. So we're going to put it in at number four. Well, we will. We will put the... Dark Angel Saga from Uncanny X-Force at number four on our list. Nice. Which is a very respectable spot. I agree. Like, here's the thing with lists like this. They get top-heavy real quick. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good. That means that there's, you know, or at least what we've been talking about so far is... uh, I'd rather rather like things than dislike things. I agree. I agree. I I enjoy liking things. Yeah. Our next book is Uncanny X-Men... 205. This is a one-shot written by Chris Claremont with art by the one, the only, the classic X-Men fill-in artist, Barry Windsor Smith. This is called Wounded Wolf. This is great. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, this this is like, this is a one-shot is all get out. I I think there's a couple of artists um, where if you want to go back and, and jump in and just kind of uh, put your toe in the water for getting some, some back issues where you can pick out, you know, certain artists and say, I- I'd like those individual. And I-, I would highly recommend that you just grab anything that Barry Windsor Smith has, has done related to X-Men. Um, you know, whether it be life death, whether it be weapon X um, or, you know, or an issue like this, they're just beautiful, beautiful. And you're skipping the, the Dracula. You're skipping oh, the Dracula sorry. issue. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, oh, yeah. But the, Smith's good. I, I think um, the relationship, even though this is, what, 1986, um, the relationship between what we're seeing here in terms of style um, and, and what Barry Windsor Smith obviously likes to draw, this is a real good precursor for what you'll see later in Weapon X. Oh, yeah. Um, this is Weapon X issues. You know, this is, this is like bodies with all kinds of junk and cybernetics hanging out of every single, you know, part of you and the amount of detail on every single page. Um, you know, I'm not even really concerned about story here. Um, even though it, it's an interesting one. Um, yeah. Uh, just, just so people know what story yeah, this is. Let, this let is the that. story where Katie power, the youngest of the power pack, uh, gets lost in New York gets caught up in an attack by the Reavers and Wolverine is there and he has amnesia for a little bit and she has to save him until he has to save her. And it's really good. And Barry Windsor Smith decides to do it all in a snowstorm because I assume he hates himself and oh. wants to just draw so much. Yeah, I mean, that was going to be the next thing that I said was the fact that it is snowing on every page um, except for the uh, little intro here with the creation of... Uh, Lady Deathstrike in the body shop um, mm-hmm. with Spiral. It, it is an astounding level of detail of of energy on every single page, every single panel. Um, there is a really great, you know, I think we were talking about this when we uh, covered Wolverine 1 to 4, um, when, when Wolverine and Lady Deathstrike finally fight um, towards the end of the issue. The panels get really big, you know, they get very cinematic. Oh, yeah. um, it, it reminds me of Miller's uh, work 
um, on that. It reminds me of Paul Smith's work um, when Wolverine fights Silver Samurai, and it is just amazing. Uh, yeah. You, you can feel where the bodies are going. You can feel the, the energy, the, the pain in each body. It's great. Yeah, it's the moment that Wolverine gets his memories back and he tells Katie Power to, you know, don't look. <laughs> and then he just goes on a berserker rage and it is brutal. It is just so strong. And right, like right now, the copy I have in front of me is from The Essentials, which are black and white reprints. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, this is such a strong book, even without the colors. And I know from reading this several times in the past, the colors are so powerful on top of this. They are. They're very vibrant. Um, again, you know, it, it, it does recall what, what happens later with Weapon X. You know, there's these bright uh, primary colors throughout that it's just gorgeous. Yeah, this is this is some good comics. This is... Claremont doing that thing where he knows how to stay out of his artist's way. Mm-hmm. This is Barry Windsor Smith knowing what he's good at and knowing how to pace it because you're right. It explodes. You get, you know, when Katie, he tells Katie to close her eyes, it gets very tight for a second, very claustrophobic as he's sneaking. And then once he has found his prey, it goes berserk. It's such a good issue. Yeah. It's really good. And I, I also just want to say that I, I, again, like we were talking, uh, I think in our last episode about, um, editorial at Marvel, just kind of letting artists and writers cut loose and be, um, and this is an interesting example of that. I feel like, you know, if you look oh, at yeah. what comes, uh, before this, you know, we're kind of like in post secret wars two land, um, I think uh, the next issue is a Nightcrawler solo issue. So the, the one right before it is, is that good, good Nightcrawler goes to arcade and saves a princess. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. You know, so we're, we're, we're kind of in that realm. This issue doesn't have a, a, a lot of substantial context. It's just, you know, this is what they want to do. This is the story they want to tell. It doesn't matter that it's kind of from out of left field. It just yeah. matters that it's awesome. Um, and I, I think it's great. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, this could happen any time. Sure. Like, the the only thing that holds it into continuity is that it's the first time that Wolverine recognizes Lady Deathstrike in her new cybernetic form. Right. Yeah. That, it's the first time he recognizes uh, Yuriko. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean... And, but beyond that, this, this is a drop it into any part of any run of any Wolverine ever. Sure. And it fits. And Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Man, the X-Men are good at Christmas. They make them depressing as all get out. Yeah, but hey, everybody loves a Christmas issue, right? Everyone loves it. And I I mean, I really I really do like this. This is this is a good one to go back to. Uh where where do you think it fits? I don't I will say I don't think it's better than the uh Miller Wolverine. I wasn't thinking that high. Um I wasn't either. I just I that's the most comparable one we got. No, I mean, it's a weird one because it's, it's just a, a single issue. Um, Do you think, it, well, we got we got a couple of singles in the middle. We got Giant Size and Excalibur, Mojo Mayhem, both by Claremont, both single issues. Well, Giant Size isn't by Claremont. Let me take that back. It's just so attached to his run. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's better than Giant Size. Okay. Better than Dupe, uh, Wolverine and the X-Men number 17. I think it's better than dupe worse than mutant Genesis. 
because dupe and dupe and this are similar they're in kind of different different uh you know different tones completely one of them is a silly story one of them is a murder story right uh but i i think that you know this one stays with me like i didn't i didn't remember that it was called wounded wolf and that's all that was submitted and it took me a second like wounded wolf oh that good good barry windsor smith one yeah, I had the yeah. same thing because you, you said, okay, well, w- somebody recommended w- Wounded Wolf. And I was like, what is that? And then I was like, oh, okay. I know what this yeah. is. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that's a good place where I think, I don't, I think Mutant Genesis has enough style to overcome this one. Oh, yeah. But I think it, I think this may be better than Wolverine and the X Men 17. All right. So it's going to go in at number six. Yep. Number six is Uncanny X Men 205 wounded wolf nice and that does it for this episode if you liked the stuff that we were doing uh you can go to patreon.com slash xavier files and for as little as two dollars a month you can donate to the site to the podcast to all the stuff that happens under the xavier files banner and you as a reward will get a story of your choice good bad or indifferent shot up to the top of the list so you can enjoy that or if you just want to make a request there's a request form on the website so you can go there and request anything to your heart's content please please don't request bad things (laughs) please (laughs) you know who i'm talking to guy who's not on this chunk of episodes but will be in the future and i don't want to freaking read you stupid manga verse stuff Oh, the Mangaverse. We're going to get there. We'll get through it. But uh, beyond that, if you liked this episode, please rate and review on iTunes or the podcast thing of your choice. That really helps us get the rankings up, helps kind of get more credibility to this. If you like the stuff that I'm doing, you can go to XavierFiles.com where there are weekly uh, discussions about different X-Men characters, different fun X-Men things that are going on all the time. You can also follow me and my wacky conversations on twitter.com at Xavier Files. And Adam Reck, where can people find you? Uh, if people want to read Bish and Jubes, uh, the webcomic that I put out uh, very periodically, um, you can go to adamreck.tumblr.com and uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. All right. I think we had three good ones, three bad ones. Uh, This has been the Battle of the Atom. I hope you survived the experience. See you next week. Get it!